All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now at the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. So you're thinking about starting a new website? Maybe you have a new small business idea and want to tell someone or sell something online. Maybe you want to show off your photography. Or maybe you want to start that new podcast. Ah, huh. that's a great idea. <laughs> GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. That's impossible. They're always $99.99 or $12.99. They're $12.99, but right now GoDaddy's offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. On the actual internet or is this some BS sub-internet? No, no, this is GoDaddy.com. Right. We all use GoDaddy.com. Everything I have is on GoDaddy.com. I know. And each new .com comes with a free instant page website and a built-in photo album, so what are you waiting for? I don't Get believe Get your new it. website started today. I think it sounds like a scam. It can't possibly be GoDaddy's true. GoDaddy's not a scam. They have... Uh, uh, that hot check, Danica Patrick, for mm-hmm. their stuff. So it's not a scam. Plus, I use it for everything. It better not be a scam. <laughs> Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code FORK at the checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website. And you're all set to go. Fork you if you don't take advantage <laughs> of this incredible GoDaddy deal. I'm going to take advantage of it. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. I am Mark DiCarlo, and next to me, the lovely and talented traveling diva, Yenny Alvarez DiCarlo. Ooh, that's different. We'll talk about that in a second. It is September. Summer's over. Labor Day is in the rearview mirror. Those of you that listen to the show, this is our 22nd show, by the way. Mm-hmm. On show 21, we talked a lot about the Buffalo Wing Festival in Buffalo, New York. We were there and just saw some crazy, silly, disgusting things. Uh, if you haven't already, go to the HuffingtonPost.com and Google my uh, my Buffalo Wing story. Uh, we have some really great video. A uh, hundred and ten pound woman, Nikki yes. Sudo, yes, ate a hundred and seventy eight buffalo wings in twelve minutes. And she literally is a hundred and ten pounds. Yeah, she is so cute and tiny. Yeah, not when she's eating. I put video <laughs> in the in the piece. I put video of her eating, and it's. To a horror soundtrack. Yeah, it's it's kind of oh. funny. And then, of course, last weekend we were I was at the Toronto Film Festival in Canada. Hung I out. didn't get to go. No, it's because I was hanging out with my buddy and my BFF, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jack- I want to hang out with Hugh Jackman and call him my BFF. You know what? It's it's so easy. When I was in high school, there was a guy in my high school at Bennett Academy named Nick Benvenu. Benvenu. Nick Benvenu. Welcome and Benvenu. He was blonde. He was handsome. He was the captain of the baseball team, captain of the football team. Just like a prototype for a guy that you'd hate if you were a guy. But he was ridiculously nice. Good. Every, everybody loved him. He was the valedictorian. He was, he was just like a super dude. And that's who Hugh that's, Jackman reminds me of. Aw, a guy you want to hate because he's talented. The guy can do anything. Yeah. Uh, he's in a new movie coming out called Prisoners that is just really a great 
intense thriller. He's fantastic in that. He sings, he dances, and he's got a great sense of humor. Um, really a great guy, Hugh Jackman. I, I, um, Is I'm this on, like a bromance thing? I, you know what? I would totally hang out with him. Because <laughs> I do a lot of celebrity interviews for my uh, ABC television show in Chicago, Windy City Live. And often the celebrities are there, they talk about their movie, and you know, they're, they couldn't care less. They couldn't care less about the people that are talking to him. But I've interviewed Hugh several times, and he just seems to be a really great guy. So we have uh, someone on our on our staff that's <laughs> under the weather and not feeling well. So I did my regular interview with Hugh about his part in this very intense movie. And I said, would you do me a favor? I want to ask you one more question. My bosses at work at ABC, sometimes they, they bust my chops because my questions are a little too long and I have a little too much fun with the people that I'm interviewing. So they want me to speed it up. So I told Hugh, I'm going to do a quick little interview with you and I'm not going to let you talk. So I asked him a 90 second question and at the end he just has a one word answer. And then I sent that to my boss as if it was the real (laughs) interview and she got a kick out of it. So did that in Toronto uh, last night, we did the Jimmy Neutron reunion at Universal Studios Ooh. in uh, Hollywood. That was great. That all, was fun. All the uh, actors that were out. This is our 10th anniversary of Jimmy Neutron, the uh, boy genius. So we all got together at John Lovitz's Comedy Club and uh, had a great time on Rob Paulson's podcast, which is called Talkin' Tunes. You can check that out. He has an app, too. You can find it there. He does. Talk about another nice guy, Rob Paulson. Uh, multiple Emmy Award winning He's, Super he's been, talented. He's been on our show. He's yeah. on our show a couple weeks ago. Super guy. We had a great time with him at uh, Universal last night. And then next week, I'm going to San Diego. The week after that, I'm going to Chicago to do the Flavors event for the Liver Foundation. I'm going. Yes, you are. And then the last week in September here in Hollywood, it's the Hollywood Feast of San Gennaro. <gasps> that is so much fun. We've been doing that for about oh. 10 years. We do it with Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla. We do it at Jimmy's Outdoor Stage in Hollywood. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Amazing Italian food. Every Italian in Hollywood is there. It's the best. More tracksuits than you can imagine. <laughs> uh, it's September 26, 27, 28, and 29. Great time, great food. Uh, my band is playing there Friday the 27th at 10 o'clock. If you're anywhere near uh, Hollywood and you enjoy good food and wine and good times, you got to come out to the Feast of San Gennaro. And it's very family-oriented. It's yeah. very family-friendly. So bring thing. the kids. It's They'll a love thing. it. Yeah. And then uh, we just made reservations. Uh, we're going to Kauai in November. That's exciting. We're going to be doing some research and talking to people at the uh, Sheraton Kauai about destination weddings and honeymoons. And uh, in order to get there... It's a very laid-back honeymoon and wedding Which is good. Which is good, because all you're focusing on there is the the honeymoon stuff that you should be focusing on. (laughs) Wow. Wow, wow. You're a pig. Um, So speaking of weddings and honeymoons, we had a big event at the DiCarlo house this week. Yeni Alvarez officially became Yeni Alvarez DiCarlo because we travel so much... We have to get all your passports and all your TSA stuff in line. And I know you're feeling blue about that, baby. Ex- explain. It's a little weird. It's an odd feeling. I mean, I've been Yeni Alvarez for such a long time, and now it's kind of like I'm being collared. You know, you put a collar on me. You, oh. I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of mourning the loss of my own name. Yeah, but you'll get to skip all the long security lines now. Oh, yeah, that makes it worth it. 
<laughs> I don't think. Is it really that big of a deal? You're not really changing anything about yourself, except now your passport's going to say that, and your TSA well, pre-check is going to see that. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, but it's a little. I don't know. I'm having a little bit of anxiety about it. Oh well, ironically, it's too late now to go back because you are not. Just... T- you are not taking my name. It has nothing oh, to do with you. You don't. Yanni understand DiCarlo. That, that you would don't... be a silly name for me. It could be. Mark Alvarez de Carlo, and then we would be. That's the same. a boxer. I can't be him. He's already he's already taken. He's a professional. He's an MMA fighter. I can't I can't do that. I would love to. If it wasn't for that, baby, I would do it in a heartbeat. So you not know true. That. So not true. He's a and he's a brutal MMA fighter. Oof, oof. Um, so we're gonna be going to uh, Hawaii, and we'll, now that now when we travel internationally, like to Mexico. With your yes. new passport, you'll be able to you use that global entry. And you, when I came back from Toronto, I w- zipped through customs because of this mobile I think pre. We should use it right away. I think you should take me to Italy, just to pick a place. Okay. And we should use the global entry. I want to use my global entry. Okay. That'll make me happy. But you only use. Glo- That'll get me out of my uh, little anxiety state you know about what? taking your name. Let's go use it in Italy. Maybe I'll just get you sushi. And why should you be sad about <laughs> taking my name? I'm not sad. It's just weird. It's like I'm, I'm mourning the loss of my identity. It feels Do like... Do I now legally own you? Yes. That's why. Is that See? a big because deal? Because you keep reminding me. That's why. You do not own me, DiCarlo. Baby, let me ask you this. Does my car look good? Do I keep it clean? Yes. Okay. I own my car. I take care of my car. When I drive a rental car, I do I treat it automobile. well? When I, when I drive a rental car, do I treat it well? No. I drive it like a crazy man, right? <laughs> I slam the door. I throw garbage on the that floor. So horrible. This, I horrible love you as much comparison. as a car that I've purchased. I am not an automobile, DiCarlo. If you were, you'd be a Ferrari. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> we got a great show for you. This is episode 22 of A Fork on the Road. 22. We're going to be talking to a professional traveler and a photographer and a guy that teaches photography. Ralph Velasco is going to be on the show. He goes all over the world. He goes to Italy. He goes to Asia. He actually does programs, uh, cultural exchange programs mm-hmm. to Cuba. Yes, he does. And so we're going to be talking about that in a little bit. And he has a fantastic book which teaches um, people how to shoot when you're traveling and how to get the best you can out of your camera, out of your photos. Right, because unlike shooting at your house, if you miss the photo when you're traveling... That's it. Yeah. You get no reshoots. You, you don't live there, so you can't yeah. shoot. So we're going to be talking to Ralph and finding out about his excursions and his programs and uh, learning how to photograph. And we're going to be talking, uh, just talking travel like we do and uh, having a good time. The show's brought to you as always, by our good folks at EnviroTabs. If you want to save up to 15% on your gas costs, you drop an EnviroTab in your tank, your gas costs go Gascais.com. down, your fuel economy goes up. You can learn more at greenfootglobal.com slash DeCarlo. You can read all about that. And, um, and uh, who else? That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> we better make a count. Right. We gave, I gave away the last Vivitar camera at the uh, Buffalo Wing Festival. That was great. Um, and uh, just a lot of traveling coming up in September. I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, one of the things that you want to do when you're traveling is get memories and take a lot of pictures. So our guest on today's show is a professional at that. He's traveled all over the world taking iconic photos of every places every place he's been and now he takes groups of people all over the world and teaches them about 
the places that he's at, mm-hmm. and how to take pictures. So let's welcome to the show Ralph Velasco. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. Ralph, where are you right now? Right now, I'm about 45 minutes north of Las Vegas on my way to Chicago. You're driving across the country, right? You're relocating from uh, from Los Angeles area to Chicago. Well, I'm, I'm sort of temporarily going to base myself there, see some family, and uh, but I... My main address is still in Southern California, so I'm keeping everything the same. All right. Well, let's uh, tell people a little bit about your business and what you do, because it, for a vagabond, you have a really great gig, I think. Yeah, it really is. Uh, what I do is uh, I'm a photography instructor, and I take people around the world to some really wonderful places like Egypt and Morocco Central Europe, Spain, Mexico, Cambodia, Bhutan, Nepal, Ooh, Bhutan. and more. Happiest place on earth. And, excuse me? Bhutan, happiest place on earth. Says who? The Bhutanese. The Bhutanese say it's the happiest place on earth? Yes, it is their, their um, what do they call that? Gross national happiness. That's it. Gross national happiness. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yep. Hmm. I've heard of Bhutaneers. Yep. I've never heard of Bhutanese. I think it's Bhutanese. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> so you, you travel all over the world. Now, and, and so people are getting a vacation and they're getting photographic instruction. Is that what it is? Yeah, essentially. So people that are looking for a, a, a vacation where they can learn something at the same time, I help them to uh, bring back better photographs of their travels and that's sort of the the common thread through everything that i do whether it's my books or my iphone app or the photography instruction i do speaking engagements everything's to to help people to bring back better photos uh, because uh there's just too many bad photos in the world and i'm here to change that one photo at a time and isn't that the worst when you see someone oh where have you been oh we were in spain you want to see some pictures? And then it's just a bunch of horrible <laughs> pictures. Just, you know, it's like, can you possibly think I'm interested in these photographs? How can I? These are crap photographs. It's you're in the same shirt standing in front of a water fountain. Really? What what are some what what are some tricks and tips to shooting on vacation as opposed to just shooting your regular life? Well, my thing, sort of my niche is to help people to bring back a well-rounded set of images that really tells the story of the place. And so a lot of times people have a particular interest in maybe architecture or monuments or food, and they bring back just those kinds of images or, like you say, pictures of themselves in front of the Eiffel Tower, in front of, uh, you know. Everybody has that picture. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everybody has yeah. that picture in front of the Eiffel Tower. So I have a few. It's not only the composition of the photographs themselves, but you're kind of teaching them photojournalism, how to tell a story in images as opposed to just words. Exactly. I mean, as photographers, and you know, everyone's a photographer nowadays, uh, we're storytellers. And so if we want to keep people's interest when we come home and show them our 
photos, whether it's a slideshow or a website we create. We can all make books now. The idea is to keep people's interest by showing them a variety of images that really captures the essence of the place instead of just 500 pictures of people or monuments, you know, and that, that gets boring real quick. Yeah, well, so what are what are some of the tricks of doing that? Because I think, you know, you're right. It's all about keeping the interest of the people that you're showing them to. And in in a large part, at least with the places that you're talking about going, these are trips that people probably save a long time. You know, you don't go to Bhutan every year. It's something, it's a special trip, you no, save it's up. it's far to get there. Right, so you go and it's a big, big event. And when you come back, people, your friends at least, are going to be, well, what was it like? What did you do? What did you do? And if you just show them a thousand pictures, they're going to get bored. But if you show them 70 great pictures that tell the whole story. Plus, you want to be able to come back and have something to show. You know, you want to be something able to worth back, seeing. Something that you can, you know what I like? I like framing these things and remembering the memories and seeing it every day if I can in the house. Right. But I'm not going to frame a blurry photo that I don't look great in. Well, how, Ralph, how much of it? How much of it is technical photographic skills, and how much of it is creativity and composition and just thinking differently? Well, you know what I I say that seventy five percent of good photography is making an effort to put yourself in the right place at the right time, and we can all do that. I don't care if you're a beginner photographer shooting with a smartphone or you've got a ten thousand dollar DSLR. If you'll make an effort to put yourself in the right place at the right time, 75% of the work is done. What does that mean, right place at the right time? Well, uh, if you're there when the light is right, when people are active, I I like to... Now, my, my number one tip is to tell people to get out early. And Patrick Symes, who's a, a photographer, says, if you don't like getting up early, then be a writer. <laughs> uh, uh, for photography, it's important to get out early because, number one, you've got that golden hour. So the time before, during, and just after sunrise and sunset. Mm-hmm. I prefer sunrise because that's uh, – and, and I'm not out there at 4 o'clock in the morning to catch the actual sunrise, but maybe 7, 7.30 when the city's starting to stir – the locals are on their way to work, kids are on their way to school. I mean, those are the people that I want in my photographs, not being out there at 10, 11, 12 o'clock when the light's at its worst, when it's all the tourists are out. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to get out early. It's cooler. There's less bugs, less traffic. What if less you like crime. to sleep in? Can you, what if you like to sleep in? Can you, when you get, shoot get at to dusk. the yeah get to the best place possible in a little corner at dusk, and then you get yourself with a fabulous golden light, and you don't have to wake up early. But then you don't get the city. You get the yeah, city. Yeah, I mean that, that is certainly another way to do it. Absolutely. The I, I I'm a I guess I, you could consider me a, a morning person. But I like to get out there early, and then I, you know, maybe I'll come back to the hotel, and, and I'll I'll take a photographer's siesta from eleven to, to one, right? Uh, when the light's at its worst and the tourist crowds are at their worst. Well, let's explain that. And the, the light is at its best at sunrise and sunset because it's coming in flat and hitting people pretty much in the face. At noon, it's directly overhead, so you get is it shadows? You get ugly. Explain that. Yeah, so uh, you, you get the harsh shadows when the sun's right overhead, 
and uh, you get the raccoon eyes and uh, shadows under the nose and yeah, the we chins don't want that. and we don't like raccoon you know, hats and stuff. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're just in a place at noon and you got to make the best of it. And at that point, maybe you want to use fill flash to fill in those shadows. So I tend to use the flash in the daytime and I don't at night because I want to fill in those shadows. Mm -hmm. But that golden hour is when the sun's low in the sky and it has to travel through the atmosphere. And that's when you get the reds, yellows, oranges, and it's a soft Rembrandt light that is very uh, pleasing to the eye and makes your subject look even better. It's like using a natural diffuser, right, on the light? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Okay, so time of day is important. Uh, what about where to go? I mean, if this is your first day in Bhutan or in Cambodia, how do you know where to go, when, and with whom? Uh, great question, and, and and really that comes down to research. And so I try to do uh, as much research before I get to a destination as possible because I want to hit the ground running, and I, I usually don't have time to figure it out when I'm there. Right. And so I, I need to make the most efficient use of my time. Now, I, I have the luxury of when I'm scouting a destination, I've usually got a local guide that is – you know, knows where to take me on my first trip so that I can bring a group back and take advantage of that information and get them out to the best places in the best light at the best time of day. Mm -hmm. uh, but research is important. And uh, one thing I recommend is people go to uh, either gettyimages.com or corbis.com. These are uh, stock photo sites where you can put in keywords and you could say, Cambodia, Phnom Penh, people, nighttime, and all the all the photographs from the professional photographers uh, that have shot in those places with those keywords will come up, and that will give you ideas. Oh, it's like and, visual uh, Googling, right? Exactly, just Google it. And uh, I know it's, it sounds kind of silly, but it's, it's, it's pretty much that simple. But now I'm not out Well, there no, it doesn't sound people. silly. A lot of people... They Google, they'll Google a sentence, and then they'll get back paragraphs of in, written information. What you're saying is you're Googling... Images. So that you'll see something that you... Oh, we should go mm -hmm. see that, and then you can find out more about it. Yeah, and you can actually yep. not... You, you will never get the same shot, but you can attempt to find the right position of where to shoot from and maybe get the right light um, and be able to have something similar to what the photograph that you saw online that you liked was. You're exactly right. And I go out with groups of, uh, my, my group sizes are usually anywhere from 8 to 11 people. I try to keep them uh, fairly small so that we can have an intimate experience, uh, but large enough so that we can keep mm -hmm. the price down for everyone. But, uh, you know, I take 10 people to the same place and you're going to get 10 different photographs That's of the right. exact same subject. Mm -hmm. right. so. exactly. And people are different and uh, people are interested in different things. I mean, you might be in an alley and people are shooting the signs and somebody else is shooting the street food and somebody else is shooting somebody's face. You know, you're going to get completely different views out of those 10 people. You're so, going to get 10 completely different Yeah, it's like views. crowdsourcing your event mm -hmm. or your vacation. Where are you going next, That's Ralph? right. Next, I'm off to uh, lead a photo tour to Spain. Uh, I leave next week. And then from there, I'm going to Tuscany to scout out some more. When are you I, I need to get some fall pictures. And When are you going um, to Tuscany? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? What? When are you going to Tuscany? 
I leave on uh, I, I leave from Barcelona to Rome on October second through the ninth. Oh, I'm booked that week. Oh, <laughs> oh no. So when people uh, go with you, they, it sounds like they get not only a tour guide who knows the area, but also like a a photography instructor. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's different than a, just a tour, but what are different than my t- what makes my trips a little bit different is that they're not a photo workshop. Uh, work is a four letter word, and we're there to have fun. Uh-huh. So um, I don't have the group out twelve, fourteen hours a day photographing because even I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, I have other interests. What I try to do is provide the group with two to four hours a day of scheduled activities group, uh, you know, get, let's get out with a local guide. Let's go photograph. Let's do something that I know to do at a particular time. And then I try to provide free time for people to explore and discover the place on their own, pursue their own interests. And uh, so it's a real nice mix. So people that are looking for 12 hours a day of scheduled activities, they need that structure. Uh, Maybe not, so maybe wouldn't be interested in coming on my kind of trip, but people that want some structure and then to have free time as well, those are the people that really, really enjoy my tours. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the structured tour where you get on a bus and you're with 50 people all day, every day for a week, and every moment is choreographed. <laughs> you're basically just walking around, you know, you're zombies walking around, I think. Uh, exactly. It sounds like you strike a nice balance between, hey, I've been here six times. I know what I'm talking about. If we're going to go to the bullfights today, you know, we're going to go today, not Thursday, because, you know, it's the amateur hour. And we can see right. guys coming out of the stands to fight the bulls. Or, you know, you, you have that local insight that you can't really get off of Google, I don't think. Yeah, and I think most people can put together their own trip and probably have, but uh, I think you pay someone to guide you to a place because of their previous knowledge, and they're going to get you to the right place at the right time, and, and you know, there's less to think about. And it, and it can be really stressful leading up to a trip that you're planning yourself, and, uh, you know, even... Uh, People that are trying to just get all their work done so they can go to a place for 10 or 12 days and try not to think about work. Mm-hmm. You know, vacation in the time zones and jet lag, it, it's, uh, it's, it can be a little bit uh, trying. So uh, trying to be as uh, casual when you can as possible, I think, is a really good idea. And I think with you, people have the guarantee that they're going to get a good shot. And you're coming home from your vacation and you're going to have something that you can frame, something that you can show your friends and say, oh, yeah, look, I did that. And the, and the light is here and this is where we went and this is what I learned. Because uh, along, the, along the way, they're learning tips and tricks from a professional. So I, I personally love that idea that I'm going to be able to learn how to take photos and come back and say, this is what I have. I am framing this one. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's a lot of different ways to travel. If you're young and you don't have a lot of money, you do the hostel route and you're, you know, you're sleeping cheap with 12 other people in a room and you're picking your own way through wherever you happen to be, trying to find interesting things to do. But if... If you're a little older and you don't want to do that. Right. Well, yeah. And if you, if, you, if you want to get the most out of your time on the road, and I'm a big stickler for this. Uh, when I re- met Ralph the first time, uh, we, we were in the Bay Area, right, Ralph? 
weren't we? Yeah, but the Santa Clara Travel Show. Right. So we went there, and instead of staying in the hotel room, I wanted to go out and listen to some music, and Ralph was the only guy that wanted to go out. So we went out, we found this great dive bar way the hell away from where the whole convention was happening. We saw that band, and, you know, we had a great time. It was not the Hyatt Bar. It was... Uh, interesting, weird little place where locals gather. Right, where local you, watering hole. Right, and 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 that kind of experience is what I particularly like. Just finding authentic experiences wherever you go, as opposed to just doing what everybody else is doing. Um, I, I have a question for you. Have you ever been to Angor Wat? I have. I have. I was there in December, and I'm bringing a group there this December. What is that place like? It's. I think it's like it's like the Asian. Pyramids, kind of. It has that same kind of mystical mojo, right? Or am I wrong? Because they don't know oh, how no, they don't know who built it or right. how they built it or anything, and it's enormous, right? Yeah, it's it's a huge complex, uh, and it's not like you're going to walk from site to site. So you have to take these tuk-tuks, which are like a little motorcycle with uh, or four seats in the back, and they zip you around very inexpensively. Mm-hmm. And uh, sunrise at Angkor Wat is an absolute must. Uh, it's the law. If you go to Cambodia, you go to Angkor Wat, you have to see sunrise at Angkor Wat. Why? And uh, it's it's such an experience. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, hopefully you'll have some clouds. Uh, I hate when there's no clouds. Nothing worse to me than a clear blue sky. Why? Uh, because I, especially during the golden hour, because you want something for the sun to reflect off of. And to, uh, you know, especially when you're outdoor shooting, to, you know, fill up that sky as opposed to just a blank blue sky. And so when I was there, we had a wonderful sunrise, and uh, there's hundreds of people there that also know to go. But it's one of those things that you just have to experience because it's so beautiful. And then you explore the ruins uh, for the rest of the day, and there's quite a few different uh, ruins there. And... uh it's it's quite the experience for sure. It's something people just have to do. Now you mentioned that you go that you've been to Egypt. Obviously, you're not going to Egypt now. No, I was there about two months before the revolution in November of 2010, and then in December of 2011, I got invited back. This was after the revolution to speak at a, a conference there, and. I would say the tourism was down about 90%, but it was still safe. Now I'd be more uh, careful about going, yeah, for sure. Uh, things have spread out a lot more. When I was there, uh, the last time, things were very concentrated in Tahrir Square, and you really wouldn't have known there was a revolution outside of that square. But now I think it has spread to uh, other parts of the country, so I'd be less likely to go which is which is horrible for a variety of reasons but from a selfish point of view the pyramids are always one place i've wanted to go and uh it doesn't look like we're going to be going there anytime soon hmm. yeah it's too bad because uh, i mean like i said tourism is down 90 percent and so it was a great time to go because there was hardly any tourists okay you know in these wonderful places but now it's probably down 99 percent unfortunately and it really is unfortunate for the for the egyptian people and the economy so you're on the road. You're on the road about eight months a year. Can you just name all the places that are on your cycle, all the different places people can travel to with you? Well, in the next year, I've got Spain, Tuscany, Cuba, Cambodia, Cuba, 
Cuba, wow. um, Morocco, Central Europe. I'm doing a trip from Berlin, Prague, Krakow, which is now my new favorite city in Europe, Budapest, Bratislava. I've got Iceland, Spain, Iceland. Tuscany, Tuscany, Bhutan, Nepal, and Cuba, Cuba. So Cuba is wow. very popular. All right, now let's that's that's an amazing that's an amazing that's itinerary. A great itinerary. Yeah, <laughs> let's now you know Yenny's from Cuba, so let's let's uh, tell me about the your Cuban programs because these are different than the the regular tours that you lead to other countries, right? Yes, uh, these are people to people programs that are fully licensed by the U.S. Department of Treasury uh, for us to go down there. So we provide the visas, the letters of authorization, the airline tickets directly from Miami to Havana. We're not sneaking in through third countries. Um, there used to actually be a direct flight from LAX to Havana, and I've taken that a few times, but unfortunately they, they stopped that one. Mm. But there's multiple daily flights from Miami to Havana. And with the people-to-people -people license, we have to provide a uh, an itinerary filled with activities that have the participants interact with Cuban people. And we're meeting with photographers, artists. Um, we're trying to get in with the people themselves. We go out to the, the tobacco region in, the Vignale, in Vignales or Pinar del Rio. Oh, so uh, you don't only stay in Havana. You go to the provinces. We do. Uh, so Where else do you we, go besides um, Pinar del Rio and Havana? Uh, Trinidad. Mm -hmm. Trinidad on the south coast of the island. Uh, um, so those are the, that's sort of the triangle that we do. I'm, I'm looking to get into the eastern part of the country and uh, do some tours there, but it's, it's difficult to you know, have time to go there and scout and Get to, you know get the photos and meet the people that I need to because I'm there on the license as well and it's it's fairly strict when you come and go uh, to the country but once you're there uh, they they say I've heard it said that the Cuban people are the most pro-American people in all of Latin America and I, I believe it uh, they're you know they realize just like we do that a people are not their uh, excuse me that uh, you know people are not their government. And so they're very, very interested in Americans and love to see us down there. And uh, just the friendliest people you can ever imagine. I've made such good friends down there. I, I can't wait to go back, and that's why I go back so often. So are, are you constantly surrounded by government people down there in Cuba, or you're kind of outside of their influence and you're able to deal with regular people? Oh, absolutely. definitely not surrounded by government people at all. I mean, there's not like there's someone following us around, making sure that we're doing all these these things. Although, but the people that you're actually um, visiting, they're appointed by the government. Uh, the the people that we're visiting to do the people to people part of the or program? staying with. Where do you stay when you? Oh, we stay at the major hotels like the Hotel Inglaterra, the Parque Central. Um, you know, and, the major the, hotels, the four- and five-star hotels, typically. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we stay at Casas Particulares, mm -hmm. which are uh, rooms in people's homes that are licensed to rent them out by the government. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a really great people-to-people -people experience, is to actually stay in someone's home 
And typically we do that in Trinidad because Trinidad doesn't have, uh, has one or two major hotels in the city and otherwise it's Casas Particulares, which uh, just are a great, great way to... Yeah, because I'm, I'm the thinking people. the people-to-people thing, the, um, the major hotels, uh, a lot of them, you, Cubans themselves can't go in there, so you would have to venture out of the major hotels in order to find that people-to-people, person-to-person experience. Um, I love the uh, Casa Particulares and the Paladares. Do you go and shoot that? Do you go and enjoy the people that are cooking, that you get to go into their homes and they cook for you, and they're also sanctioned by the government? Absolutely. Or I mean, that's, that's where we say. eat most of our meals are at the, uh, at the Paladares. Like you say, they're the restaurants that are sanctioned by the government to, to you know, it might be in someone's living room with two or three tables. Uh, it could be a little bit more of a traditional restaurant as we would think about it. But uh, that's a, an absolutely great way to, to learn more about the people down there. Uh, we also go to a lot of the government restaurants to get that experience. Uh, but back to the hotel idea, we certainly don't spend a whole lot of time in the hotel. I mean, everyone is out and about in the street all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's no reason to stay at the hotel when you're in a place like Cuba. So um, we're, we're out there meeting the people and getting to know them. And, and what has uh, been just having a wonderful time? What has been your main focus, for example, when you're in Havana? What do you shoot? What do you look for? What What are people mostly interested in shooting? Well, certainly the people themselves, the Cuban people. Uh, I'm not sure if you'll agree, Yenny, but I think you might that uh, the Cubans are are self-proclaimed hams. <laughs> that is for sure. I agree. I have never I, met a Cuban that is afraid of a camera or a microphone. Uh, I wholeheartedly uh, agree. They, they, we are all hams. Yes, they might be afraid yeah. to talk about politics in the microphone, but as far as uh, them themselves being hams, yes, I absolutely wholeheartedly agree. Because <laughs> I'm often asked uh, about photographing people anywhere in the world. And it's, it's a very cultural thing. You know, the Cubans are the self-proclaimed hams. They love to have their photographs taken. But then uh, the Tarahumara Indians in Copper Canyon, Mexico, uh, don't mind being photographed, but they're not going to be putting rabbit ears behind each other's head and uh, mugging for the camera. They're just very shy mm-hmm. people. So it's a very cultural thing. Uh, but the Cubans are very open to being photographed, so uh, that's a, a very, very big subject. Certainly the architecture and the cars. So these are the classic icons of that place. Mm-hmm. And um, my iPhone app is based on the idea of a shot list. And that idea is, is, is just that. It's a checklist of the types of shots that you should be on the lookout for when in a location. Mm-hmm. And that helps you to bring back that variety of images that we were talking about earlier. Uh, you have an so, iPhone app. Excuse me? An iPhone app? Let's talk about that. I have that. an iPhone app. Yeah, it's called My Shot Lists for Travel. And it's available uh, on iTunes for iOS devices. And uh, I created it because I needed it. Uh, I use a shot list with a pen and piece of paper. This is something that's been around since the dawn of photography, mm-hmm. uh, that idea. Well, in television and production, so, too, you leave, you leave your office and you know you have to get the establishing shot, a picture of the hotel sign, a picture of the, the pool, you know, all the things that you would go to at every location, but some you forget or some people don't even know. 
Until you, exactly until you right. get home so, and you're like, oh, <laughs> we didn't take a picture of the guy who did the thing with the horse. <laughs> yep. So it's it's a reminder, or and and the idea with the app is it's, I've got 52 categories of a shot list, and there's the low hanging fruit, the obvious things like architecture, people, landscapes, but sometimes people forget about night scenes, interiors, the food, what people are wearing, mm-hmm. uh, all the details, so all these other things that make up that whole story that we were talking about, and. My app is a checklist so that I say try to go for five solid images in each category. And, and you're probably not going to have 52 categories uh, in any place. You know, if you're in New York, you're probably not going to use the wildlife category. Well, maybe. <laughs> um, but, there's some crazy York, pigeons might. there. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so maybe use 35 of the 52 in a city. And if you get 35 categories five shots in each category what's that 175 solid images mm-hmm. that could make the base for a really great slideshow book or website however it is that you're showing your photography that's awesome i just downloaded your app i'm gonna start using it right away i like taking Please pictures sit. that at the end of my travels it's gonna look like a little movie i like i like people to know exactly what i did and right. what i ate so this is this yeah, is a great and, uh, help. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, photographers are storytellers. So just a hint about storytelling is to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, just like you would with a story, and uh, a natural progression that makes sense instead of jumping all over the place and uh, sort of walk your viewers through your trip, but at it hard. Because, you know, like Mark was saying earlier, we don't need to see 500 or 1,000 images that you took, you know, all the outtakes and everything. That's Let's a see difficult the top part. 100 <laughs> solid images and, and uh, you know, people will go away wanting more. That's a difficult part. How do you edit? For example, we well, you don't went... do that on the road. You do that when you get back home. I right? know, but then you have 800 photographs. Well, you always have an airplane ride home. Oh, how do you edit, though? <laughs> I I actually do edit on the road, but I'm typically taking three, 4,000 images in a place. Wow. And I try to download every night, and I edit hard. And uh, so I take those 250 pictures maybe that I took that day, and I'll, I'll five-star the best ones, and the rest of them you know, just go into a separate folder. And, uh, and so then those, those five-star images now that I've narrowed down to, those are the ones that I work on and and choose from to to tell my story. Mm-hmm. But I certainly, you know, I know people. However good the photographs are, are not going to want to sit through three thousand images. Wow. So you got to edit hard. You must have. I mean, I don't even want to think. You must have millions of images. Where do you store them? And do you throw away the rest of uh, the ones that are not five stars? Unfortunately, I don't. So I've. <laughs> <laughs> I never know when I might need an out-of-focus, uh, overexposed image. But, <laughs> as a background. You can use it as a background. No, uh, yeah, things are really horrible. Absolutely, I do delete them. But uh, I tend to keep the majority of images. But, uh, you know, say 90 95% of them go into that general category, the 5 or 10% that are the five stars. Then I work from those because it's overwhelming to think about you know three thousand images it but is. it's too much you kind of have to keep up with it so i uh 
I'll tell you, I, I'm often asked about my backup strategy because I'm really big on backing up your images when you travel. And so I take the images from the, the card, put them onto my hard drive on my computer, export them to an external hard drive, and then I never write over those cards, whether they're SD or CF cards, until I get home because those are a very reliable backup. How many cards do you carry and, with you? Oh, I carry probably 30, wow. but they're everything from one gig cards to eight or even 16 gigs. But now we can get 32, yeah, 64 gig cards and you can, you know, get a whole trip with thousands and thousands of images on a right. 64 gig card. But if you want all your eggs in one basket, you know, if that card corrupts or you right. lose it or your camera gets stolen, your whole trip is gone. So I say use four, maybe eight gig cards, unless you're doing video, time lapse that you know needs a, a lot of card space. Yeah. But diversify. Well, that so way you've got three copies of it. You've got it on your computer. You've got it on the the external hard drive, and you've got it on the disk. So, but what if you? Card. Okay, I have a question. What if you somebody steals the computer, the hard drive breaks, and you can't find your cards? Is there a place? Then that Jesus you don't want you to have the picture in the first wow. place. No. But you know what? Yeah. I've been asked this question before, um, and I've asked this question. Where do you store it online that you can find the full resolution, that you can download it again? Um, I and, and basically, when you're traveling, all the hotels have Wi-Fi, so you can upload it right away just in case something happens to the hard drive, just in case your computer gets stolen and your cards break. What do you use well, for I online storage? Yeah, I mean, that that would be pretty unbelievable if all three <laughs> sources got uh, corrupted, however. But uh, it's very difficult. To, I shoot raw. So oh, uh, if you're familiar with JPEG, is yeah. a more universally accepted uh, file format. But all pros shoot raw. Uh, many amateurs do, too. And especially if you're in a place like Cuba or Cambodia where the Wi-Fi is not very reliable, you're going to have a real difficult time uploading any amount of raw images to the cloud. So I don't even really consider that a, mm. a source of backup. Yeah. So uh, I carry the cards in my bag, in, you know, in my carry-on bag. I carry the computer in a separate bag, and then... Um, the yeah, I, I don't... I, so your if, hard drive must be ginormous, because have, how many thousands of photos do you actually have if you keep them all in your hard drive and... Well, you can, I mean, a one terabyte hard drive is like 70 bucks now. So uh, there's no reason not to have enough storage. And I could you know, go on a two-month trip and take maybe 200 gigs. So there's no way I'm going to fill that up. Mm. What about food? Now, you're taking you, – you, for someone that travels as much as you do, you must have some favorite recipes and some favorite places that you've eaten. What's the, what's what's your? I'm going to give you a country, and you tell me the favorite recipe from that country. All Don't right. give him a country. Give him a city. All right. Well, Tuscany. It's a region. That's easy. Maybe not. Well, I had one of the best meals of my life in a small little town called Lucignano Diasso in the Valdorcia area of Tuscany, and I was with my local guide there, and she. We were driving up the little two-lane roads, and she took me off on one of these Strada Blancas, which is a white road, and it's nothing more than a gravel road offshoot of these two-lane roads that you'll find in Tuscany. And she said, you know, I have, I know this woman that's got a restaurant just up the road, and she can't cook anything. She doesn't have the facilities to cook, 
but she makes a, a wonderful cold lunch. Would you like some? You know, are you, are you hungry? I said, shit, I'm in Tuscany. Of course I'm hungry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we went to her place, and it's this woman. She's about 80 years old. Her name's Rita. And she has owned this restaurant with her husband, who's now passed away, for over 60 years. Wow. And so Lori and I, I was photographing the town. There's probably 40 people in this town. And so I was photographing the town, and then we came back, and she made us the most wonderful uh, lunch of prosciutto and cheeses and fresh mm. tomatoes and, you know, the typical Tuscan lunch that they eat, you know, daily almost. And oh, I was I just in heaven because it wasn't only the, you know, the, the flavors and the smells, but it was certainly the the atmosphere. I mean, I felt like I was in a Fellini movie or something. Oh, yeah. And what was the so name of the there, town? Uh, I Lucci. believe it's pronounced Lucignano Diasso. Lucignano. Tiny, tiny little town. And so I told Lori, I said, we have to bring our group back here when we put this trip together next year. So I'm doing two trips to Tuscany in the fall of 2014. And so Rita's is on our list. And so we are going there because I want my people to have those kinds of experiences. I think we because should become again, your people. <laughs> I think we should become How your people. How can people become your people, Ralph? How do people find <laughs> you, track you down? What's your website? How can they? And, and where do your, are your trips uh, expensive, inexpensive? Where do they fall on the continuum? I would say that they're mid-priced. Uh, well, like Cambodia is twenty four ninety nine land cost. So that's all hotels local transportation, local guides, visits to Angkor Wat, and uh, all these activities that we're going to do, that's uh, $2,500 for a 14-day trip. Oh, very inexpensive, right. uh, if that you ask very, me. That is very inexpensive. Uh, Tus Tuscany is more like $3,500, $3,700. Uh, Italy is just a more expensive country. That's Jeez. all there is to it. it. Um, Cambodia is very inexpensive. But Italy's closer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but to, to find information about what I do, please go to ralphvelasco.com, and you can look for tours there. You can uh, find other information about what I'm doing. Some of these trips, like Tuscany, is not even on my website yet because we're still putting together the itinerary and the pricing and everything. Uh -huh. But uh, you'll find Morocco and uh, uh, all these other trips. But, wow. um, I mean, what I try to do is pr not just concentrate on photography. Like I said, it's not a workshop, but to explore these other things like the food. I mean, I don't know if you remember, Mark, but I grew up in the restaurant business in Chicago. I've had two of my own restaurants. Right. And, and, and I think that the only thing that's more ubiquitous with travel than photography is food. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can go three days without taking a picture. I can't go three days without prosciutto <laughs> if I'm in uh, Tuscany. Yeah. Exactly. No, I, exactly. I think I think uh, your your uh, not only the photography background, but just your traveling background and your expertise in these places to keep going back to the same places year after and year. And you get good food. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 like having a tour guide that actually has a, a marketable skill that you want. The customized concierge tour guide. Mm -hmm. Without pretentious. Well, it, I, excuse me. I, I never thought about it really, but. It makes me look better when people come back with better pictures of their photographs. Right. It makes my trips look better. Right. You know, certainly makes me look better because hopefully I've helped them to do that. But 
And then uh, their friends want to take the tour I, with I you. Think, I think all tour companies should have you know some sort of photographer on board to have people get better pictures of their tours. You know, it's a great idea, and and uh, your whole program sounds fantastic. It's Ralph Velasco. Sp- spell it, Ralph, so that people get it correctly. Sure, R A L P H V as in Victor E L A S C O dot com. So you can take you can travel the world with Ralphie. And eat great food because he knows the best places. Take pictures and come have a back great with time. a phenomenal book of pictures. Well, Ralphie, thanks so much for taking time out of your cross country adventure to uh, talk with us. You're you you're going up to eighty, and you're going to go across to Chicago. I am actually going to seventy, fifteen to seventy through uh, Arches National Park oh, in nice. Colorado, Denver, and then down into uh, into the heartland of the country. Ah, well, once you once you hit Nebraska, you can just put a broomstick in your steering wheel. It's a straight shot until you get to the Quad Cities on the Mississippi <laughs> River. You don't have to turn your wheel at all unless you got to stop to take a piss. Hey, Mark, can I, can I mention one other thing? Absolutely. Um, you got a second? Um, about two years ago, I had a, an assignment to shoot the travel and cultural images for a cookbook on the regional cuisine of Mexico. Ooh. And... Uh, because I know this is up your alley, I mention it, but we went to 40-plus locations. We stayed at, like, 15 different hotels and 13 intra-Mexico flights. Uh, in a third, It was a 35-day assignment. Wow. And uh, we met with some of the top chefs in all of Mexico, uh, some of whom, this was in July, or August and September, and many of these chefs take time off July and August, and so... Several of them came back from vacation just to open up their restaurant for us. Uh, what a great experience. But uh, they haven't come out with the cookbook yet, but I, I understand it's supposed to come out uh, for this Christmas. But that was a really great marriage of my background in the restaurant industry and photography. And we had a travel writer who specialized in food writing and uh, just a, a really nice experience. What's it called? I thought brought. Uh, well, the the book is, I believe, going to be called Mexico because it's not out yet. But uh, the publisher is Gourmet Pilgrim. They're an Australian con- company, actually. <laughs> uh, it's a 500-page cookbook. Oh, this my is God. not a little, you know, magazine. <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> wow. And people, great, great people can find out about that publication at uh, RuffVelasco.com? Yeah, I mean, they could certainly email me and uh, be glad to point them towards it absolutely well thanks so much for spending time with us ralph we appreciate it i'm i'm uh, uh glad we got to catch up and hopefully yanni and i will be able to take one of your uh i would like to go to cuba she's been i have not been and uh, i'll go to cuba oh. hey <laughs> i'll go to cuba but i also want to go back to italy yeah all right well we'll, we'll take yeah. we'll, we'll take a ralph alasco special sometime Woo-hoo. in the next year all love right, it but, love it all right well travel thanks safe so much for me on. appreciate it and uh, let me see if you're going past, you know, you're not going through Texas. I usually go through the South so I can stop at the Big Texan and try and eat that 72-ounce steak. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, drive safe, and uh, I'll be in Chicago uh, the 21st to the 23rd. So if you're there, maybe we can hook up. Uh, actually, I'll be in Spain, but let's do it another time, okay? All right, buddy. Bon voyage. Travel safe. Gracias. Thanks, Hasta luego. Ciao. Hasta luego. Ciao. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Boy, what what a night what a life. <sighs>
I'm so envious right now. Yeah, I don't even think he needs a house. He's, he's, <laughs> he's going to be gone about 10 months next year. Always on the road, traveling. He's going to spend a lot of time in Italy next year, he was oh, telling me. Oh, I think we should go. All right, okay. This is me saying yes. Okay, yay! Uh, man, so that's ralphvalesco.com. Ralph, like you think it is, and then V-E-L-A-S-C-O.com. You can find out about his various trips. And uh, and I just downloaded his app. Yeah, he's a very knowledgeable guy. Um, his family was in the restaurant business for years and years and years. So he's a he knows where to eat, and he knows where to shoot. So if you're going to take and that... And he knows where to shoot what you eat. Right, exactly. So if you're going someplace special, I think it's a good idea to have a guide with you and someone that knows the... Uh, people there and the things to do and the, and things. the best places to go eat right and the places not to go you got to be careful yeah all right well that about wraps it up for us on this edition our 22nd edition of a fork on the road next was a week very picture picturesque uh, show we had today it was very picturesque and very visually stunning yay even though this is just an audio show <laughs> so for myself mark DiCarlo, and the lovely and talented Yenny Alvarez de Carlo. The traveling diva. <laughs> we will see you next week right here. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark DeCarlo. Uh, find out about deals and specials that we find and funny pictures that I find on the road. And I tweet them all the time. It's at markdecarlo.com. And you can find us on iTunes and at the Sideshow Network every week. This is A Fork on the Road. And we will see you on A Fork on the Road. You said it twice. I do. Hey, Sideshow fans, if you like live comedy and love to party, then the Cabo Comedy Festival is the place for you. Check out CaboComedyFestival.com for the details. From October 2nd to 6th, over 50 of the world's funniest comedians are heading to the beaches of Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, and they're giving away a trip for two to join all the action. Visit Facebook.com slash Cabo Comedy Festival or CaboComedyFestival.com to enter. Downtown Cabo will come alive with nightly shows featuring over 50 of the world's top stand-ups, followed by exclusive after-parties at the hottest nightclubs. Beachfront resorts, pool parties, golf, nightly comedy shows. You don't want to miss the Cabo Comedy Festival. Enter to win or book your travel and purchase tickets at CaboComedyFestival.com. <laughs>